You're listening to audio from City Light South Church. If you'd like to check out more resources and find ways to get involved, go to citylightsouth.org.au. I'm reading from the book of Jonah, uh, chapter 3, where we are up to. Jonah, chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up um, to Jonah and one of those, the minor prophets there in the Old Testament. Um, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed in 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. Then the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. When word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne. He took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh. By order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, herd or flock, is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with, and he did not do it. This is God's word for us this morning. Thanks, Tyler. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here with you this morning, and it's good to be on your screen if you're watching at home. Uh, and we're continuing in Jonah uh, with our series, God's Mercy for Dummies. Uh, it's our second to last week, and so we're in Jonah 3, as you just heard. Uh, and we're going to see today how God gives Jonah a new beginning and how the people of Nineveh, people who didn't follow God, people who didn't recognize Yahweh as the one true God, how these people heard from God through a foreigner, a prophet, and how they responded in true repentance and were able to experience the mercy of God in their lives. And that is really what shines through in this chapter Uh, If you are taking notes, you can write this down and you can underline it at least seven times. Anyone who repents can experience God's mercy. Anyone who repents can experience God's mercy. And so let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning in great need of your mercy, in great need of your grace. Would you please give us wisdom and understanding from your word this morning? Would your spirit guide us in what is right and what is true? And would you please grant us repentant hearts that we can experience you and your mercy anew this morning? Amen. And so firstly, as we jump into the text, we see Jonah is going to receive a new beginning. And we learn that God is a God that gives second chances. God gives second chances. From verse 3, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. 
And so if you remember back to Jonah 1, we expected Jonah as a prophet to immediately follow God's call and to be obedient. But instead he did the unexpected and he got up and he fled in the opposite direction. But now God is calling Jonah a second time. These verses here, they match the verses of chapter 1. God gives Jonah the same call. And this time, Jonah does what he is supposed to. He does what we would expect a prophet to do. He obeys God and he follows his call. And so Jonah, in the end, he's just taken a very long detour. Everything that's happened to him because of his disobedience could have been avoided if he simply did what he was going to end up doing anyway. And that's why it's called God's mercy for dummies. Because we as humans think we have better ideas and better plans. But luckily for Jonah, God gives second chances. The reason the author has used the same verses is to show that God is giving Jonah a second chance and that it is a new beginning for Jonah. We can forget about the last two chapters because we're starting now again from the beginning. Jonah has a clean slate. And just as Jonah gets given a second chance and a new beginning, God is willing and he is ready to give you a second chance and a new beginning. You may have sin in your life and consequences of sin and disobedience in your life, um, but is God using those consequences or is he using other means to say, hey, come back, follow my call. Come, I am ready to give you a second chance to do what you were supposed to do, to be who you are supposed to be in Christ. I'm ready to give you a new beginning. And what is your new beginning? Well, it's that you are in Christ, and in Christ you are forgiven and you receive new life, a new beginning as a child of God. And as God's child, he offers you a second chance, a third chance, and a fourth, because you are not his child based on your performance, but because of Christ's performance. And he didn't need chances because he was perfect. And through his perfection, you are God's child. And God will continue to offer you chances and to work in you until you realise that it is better to follow his call. Until you are able, by the work of the Spirit, to seize your new beginning and to follow in obedience to what the Lord has called you to do. God gives second chances, so I encourage you to seize that opportunity now, to take that second chance, to embrace God's call in your life and to embrace your new beginning in Christ. And so now Jonah, he has seized his second chance. He's obedient to God and he preaches to the Ninevites from verse 3b. Now Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, in 40 days Nineveh will be demolished. Then the people of Nineveh, Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least. When word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh, by order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, herd or flock, is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. And so the Ninevites, they've heard from Jonah and they take him seriously. 
we see that true repentance is a change of heart and action. True repentance is a change of heart and action. And after so much time and energy spent on getting Jonah to Nineveh, when he gets there and he finally shows obedience, we spend very little time actually seeing Jonah in action. You know, the city's very large. It takes days to walk through it. It's big. And so Jonah begins prophesying of the divine judgment straight away. Jonah's message, 40 days till doom. But it's just, it's not that this is a super short and super effective sermon or something. Um, It's not word for word what he would have said. Rather, it's just a brief summary. And that's because it's not overly important what he said because he's speaking according to God's work and God's word, should I say. And what is important is how the city is responding. Jonah simply does what was asked, finally, and the focus then shifts to the response of Nineveh. What did the Ninevites do? Well, they immediately respond with belief. We don't even know if Jonah continued preaching after that first day. The Ninevites believed God. They trusted that what Jonah said was God's word and that God would follow through. Some translations would go for they believed in God. Um, But it doesn't mean the same thing that we would usually mean today when we say that, um, that they did or did not believe that he existed. It's more whether they actually trusted God, whether they believed that what he said was reliable. And this is significant because of how Israel was supposed to respond and to believe God. Nineveh responded in the way that Israel was supposed to. We see in Exodus 14.31 that there is a similarity of wording and response to God by both Israel and Nineveh. When Israel saw the great power that their Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and believed in him and his servant Moses. And in 2 Chronicles 20.20, Jehoshaphat, the king of Israel, calls them to respond in the same way. Hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. Israel were called to believe God, to trust him and to trust the prophet he was using to send the message. And Israel, of course, they didn't always do this. Just as Jonah was disobedient, all of Israel were often disobedient to God. Uh, For example, we see in Numbers 14.11, the Lord's actually complaining about Israel, saying, how long will these people despise me? How long will they not trust in me, despite all the signs I have performed among them? But we know that God showed mercy to Israel again and again and again. But we kind of expect that, don't we? Israel are God's people. They're in the club. They have the covenant. They have all the promises of Genesis, which we went through last year. And of course God shows mercy to Israel. But why would he show mercy to Nineveh? They weren't in the club. They weren't chosen. But God is showing that all people are subject to him and that he is the God of all people. His expectations, as well as his treatments of the Ninevites, they match that of Israel. Tyler spoke last week about how Jonah was an image of Israel and when Israel disobeyed, they were punished, they were led to repent and then they were restored. And so here God first warns the Ninevites of their impending judgment not because he wants to rub it in their faces that they're about to be punished, but to offer them a second chance, a new beginning, just like Jonah and just like Israel. God is God of all people, whether they know it or not, 
And whether they accept it or not, God is God of all people. And now because the Ninevites trusted God, they responded to him in the common ancient way of sorrow, which is, you know, the sackcloth, the fasting and the ashes and all that. And that expressed their grief, their humility and their penitence. In other words, they displayed the outward signs of true repentance. All of the Ninevites responded. No one was exempt from the need to humble themselves before God. Even the animals had to join in, which shows how seriously they took the threat. They weren't taking any chances. They included all the animals, everything. But it's not only outward signs of repentance. They don't only wear sackcloths. The king demands of his subjects genuine repentance. No outward show of piety is going to save Nineveh. They're not only looking like they're doing the right thing. Only a transformation of heart and behaviour offers any hope that they might be saved. The Ninevites, they didn't just put on a show of repentance. The king called the people to turn away from their evil deeds and to do the right thing. And that's what the people did. Even the king humbled himself, showing that God is the king over everyone. True repentance is not just saying and acting sorry. It's also changing. Not doing those same things, but doing what is right instead. The king commanded, each must turn from his evil ways and his wrongdoing. And so, of course, when we repent, it is also more than just saying sorry to God. But genuine repentance includes changing our ways. But this, this can be a process, especially for sins that you know, have become habitual in our lives or something like that we've been dealing with for a long time. You can be truly repentant and not instantly stop with those particular sins. Instead, true repentance might be genuinely wanting to stop those sins and actively working towards cutting those sins out of your life. There may be a process involved, maybe some moments of weakness, but the more you work in step with the Spirit, the more successfully you can fight those sins and you can change your ways. Uh, who here drives a car? Most. Who loves doing U-turns? None. <laughs> Whose greatest fear is having to do a U-turn on a busy road with oncoming traffic? A couple. <laughs> when you do a U-turn, sometimes you can do it in one go, one smooth, clean motion, but other times you have to do a three-point turn, and sometimes even more. And this often you know, depends on the road, how wide or thin it is, uh, on your car's turning circle, and other varying factors on the road. But even an inefficient U-turn that takes many stops and starts, little movements forwards and backwards, eventually makes the U-turn and it drives in the other direction. And that's how it is for believers and repentance. Sometimes we see our sin and we can in one smooth motion turn away from that sin and go onto the right track. But other times it's a really tight road, a car's turning circle is like that of a bus, we have to make many adjustments and small movements back and forth until we can get in the clear and we continue on the right way away from our sin. But quick or slow, one turn or a 65-point turn, you are truly repentant when you are sorry and when you work to change and then when you do change.
Because true repentance is a change of heart and action. True repentance is a change of heart and action. But just as we saw with the sea captain and the crew in chapter 1, the king acknowledges that God is absolutely free to do as he pleases. Their repentance doesn't guarantee anything. They realize that their pious actions and their prayers never merit or guarantee God's forgiveness. God is under no obligation to pardon them. The Ninevites simply hope that God would look at them with mercy and turn away his anger because they'd done a U-turn. They hoped that perhaps God would too. And so how does God react? He responds in the way they hope. He relents. Verse 10, God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with, and he did not do it. God shows mercy to all who repent. God shows mercy to all who repent. And as a result of the Ninevites' repentance, God relents from punishing them as he had threatened. Some translations maybe go that God regretted or he repented, but relent is better because God made his decision to act differently. Repent or regret would imply that the second choice was better than the first, but actually either choice was fair. And it doesn't mean that God's first choice of judgment was a bad choice because it was actually a fair choice. And when we see prophets announce judgment and then it doesn't happen because of God, it doesn't mean that that wasn't true or that God is inconsistent. Because actually prophetic pronouncements of judgment, they weren't absolute. They weren't guaranteed to happen. Mercy instead of judgment. We see in Jeremiah 18, 7 to 8, at one moment I might announce concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will uproot, tear down and destroy it. However, if that nation about which I have made the announcement turns from its evil, I will relent concerning the disaster I had planned to do to it. And so we see that God's change of mind in Jonah isn't some kind of you know, divine failing. Rather, it reveals that God is true to his nature. It is consistent with his character and it is consistent with his desire to show mercy to his creation. We see in 2 Peter 3 verse 9, Peter is discussing when the Lord will return and he says, The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but he is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so for God, it was never only about Israel. He wants all to come to repentance, everyone. Israel was meant to be a blessing to all nations. And here in Jonah, we see a tiny glimpse of that. A prophet from Israel preached an entire foreign city into repentance. Jonah is one of the first ever missionaries. God's words were proclaimed and the people listened and they believed God. Because God's word is for everyone. God's word is not just for those in the club, not those who are already his children. All creation is under God and the hope of salvation is for all people. And God has appointed you to be his messenger. You carry the message that God offers second chances, that he shows mercy to the repentant, that the offer of salvation is for all people. I wonder, has anyone ever heard of a name, man named Hudson Taylor? Got a couple. Well, he was a British missionary in the late 1800s, and he spent 51 years in China. 
The society that he began, which was called China Inland Mission, was responsible for bringing over 800 missionaries into the country, who started 125 schools and directly resulted in 18,000 Christian conversions, as well as the establishment of more than 300 stations of work with more than 500 local helpers in all 18 provinces. And like Jonah, Taylor traveled to a foreign nation. And like Jonah, Taylor preached. He preached repentance and the good news of Jesus and God's mercy for all people. In this case, it was for the Chinese. And people who did not know God, lots of them, especially the Chinese government back then, similar today, were hostile to Christianity. But God is a God of second chances, and he's ready to show mercy to the repentant. And 18,000 people who did not know God came to know God, and they experienced his mercy that is found in Christ. And so for you, I want to encourage you to be a person on mission, to preach repentance to everyone, because God shows mercy to all who are repentant. So for you, that might mean sharing near in Australia with the people around you, but it might mean sharing people with, with people who are far, like Jonah, like Hudson Taylor, and many others. The world is a big place, and there are many people who need to hear about Jesus and God's mercy. Because God shows mercy to all who are repentant. God shows mercy to all who are repentant. And so those who do repent, they receive the ultimate mercy that God shows to his people, which is, of course, the gift of his son. That when we repent, we are given a second chance through Christ, who paid the price for our sin, who took our judgment onto himself, that we may share in his reward. Jonah 3 shows us that anyone who repents can experience God's mercy. It doesn't matter what evil they've done in the past or where they come from or where they are now. God's mercy is for them and they can experience the joy that is found in Christ, the ultimate act of God's mercy. And so now, what do we do now because of Jonah 3? God gives second chances. Have you been ignoring the God of call in your the call of God in your life? Have you been living for yourself? Is it time for you to seize a new beginning? Have you been actively disobeying God? Have you been ignoring his call? Are you ignoring your impatience? Are you ignoring the fact that you don't pray? Are you ignoring that person who you know needs to know the Lord? Whatever it is, take this opportunity now to seize your second chance, to seize your new beginning. Give everything you have to follow the call of God. God is directing you towards your call. It's not too late. God is ready to give you another chance, so go for it. Follow the call of God. True repentance is a change of heart and action. Have you done something that you weren't supposed to recently? My guess is you probably have. Maybe you spoke unfairly and harshly to your child or to your significant other. Maybe you're struggling with lust. Maybe you lied. Maybe you get really angry at other drivers on the road. The list goes on. We all sin. And we need to repent of those sins. Not just to repent at the fact that we're a sinner, but to repent of particular sins. The more specific we are, the more we're able to change that behavior. Think about the seriousness of that sin that you've done the wrong thing and that you have gone against God. 
cry out to the Lord in prayer. Ask for his mercy and the power of the Spirit to help you change. And then you can do it. The, the Spirit will work in your heart and you can work to actively fight against that sin and actively go in the other direction and to pull that yui. If lies pursue truth, if lust pursue purity, if anger pursue patience and love, and how do you pursue these things? You look to the one who does them perfectly. You look to Jesus as your guide, and he will lead you on that right path. The Lord is your shepherd, and he will lead you. If you have Christ, you have the power to change. So repent of your sins, and God will be ready to show you mercy. God shows mercy to all who repent. Of course, for you, as I've just said, God will show mercy when you repent. But I wonder who here is missing an opportunity to bring others into repentance and the mercy of God. I know for Tyler and Katrina, they feel very strongly about this and they, they hope this and I hope too. And that is that is someone here being called to take the gospel, to take the good news of Jesus to a foreign land? Could you be like Jonah and like Hudson Taylor and share Christ to people who need to know him? God is ready to show mercy to all, even those in remote lands. They just need someone, someone like you. They need you to go and to share who God is with them. And being a missionary is hard, but think of the joy that you could experience to winning people over for Christ. If even one person could be saved from destruction and experience God's mercy, If you think about how many people haven't even heard of Jesus before, and you could be the one, with the help of many, who brings the good news to them. And so if this is something that you're even a little bit interested in, you know, I strongly encourage you to speak to Tyler and Katrina about it, because they have spent quite a few years overseas in mission, and so they can give you a lot of information about that. And maybe if you don't think overseas mission is for you, then don't worry, because you are 100% definitely called to local mission. There are people in your workplace, on your street, in the same shops, all around you, that have not experienced the mercy of God. There are more op opportunities for gospel sharing than you can count. So go out and share. Maybe don't pull a Jonah and start with repentance and doom. Not everyone enjoys to hear that. But maybe start with the good news, with God's mercy through his son, with the good news that God is ready to show mercy to all. The fact that all our mistakes, our sins, our disobedience won't be held against us because Christ gives us a new beginning, a life that is in God's mercy forever, with joy and purpose and fulfillment that are all found in him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, for your love, for the forgiveness that is found in Jesus. Lord, help us to be truly repentant, to change our hearts and our minds to be more in line with Christ and in how you would have us live, Lord, because you always have our best in mind. Lord, would you raise us up to be missionaries, both here and abroad, that we would be seeking to share the gospel wherever we go. 
Please soak it into our hearts that anyone who repents can experience God's mercy, no matter how unlikely it may seem for us or for them, but that they can experience your mercy, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for another message from City Light South Church. You can find out more about our church and connect with us at citylightsouth.org.au.